1: to not lead his house spiritually. You know, it's so easy for a man just to, you know, say, I worked hard all day. I'm gonna watch television. I'm gonna kick back. I'm gonna relax. I'll leave that to my wife and not to take the spiritual leadership in the home. But it's the father's role. It's the father's role to lead the family spiritually. The father should be leading the family in prayer. The father should be leading the family in devotions and making sure the family goes to church because he's going to church, not send them to church. Now, in verse two, where we read, then Jacob said to his household and to all that were with him, put away the strange gods that among you and be clean and change your garments. He, Jacob is now addressing not just his family, but his whole caravan, that they should put away the strange god gods there. And this marks a big change for Jacob. And for that reason, this first word in this verse two, it's very important when it says then. You know, because when we read then, we ask when. You know, then, when? Well, what happened? Well, first of all, uh, in Jacob's life, this was a shock what had happened in, verse 20, in, in chapter 34. This is a shock. Jacob was shocked to have experienced personally the defilement of his daughter, and to have experienced the awful crime of his sons, and to have experienced his complete failure as a father and leader, and now to experience how his family is now in danger of retribution from the Canaanites. So in short, Jacob is shocked to see the sinfulness in himself and the sinfulness in his family. That's what drove Jacob to take command of his family here. That's what drives us to a new level of repentance and holy living. It's when we see the sinfulness of our own hearts. Jacob now sees there's a connection here between the sin of his own heart and the sin of his family and these strange gods. He now sees that by not being the active spiritual leader in his house, he's been guilty of the sins of omission. He's omitted to be the, the spiritual leader. He now sees with the crimes of his sons, how they've been guilty of the sins of commission. I mean, and now as the head of the house, it's time for him to get right with God, confess his own sins to God, and command his house to get right with God. So when we read these words in verse 2, then Jacob said unto his household, to all that were with him, put away the strange gods. We can see that Jacob is now commanding his household, and we see this emphasis in verse two. You see the emphasis on the word "his." It's his household, and with him, it's those that are with him. And he so he's got like we got like two groups here. First, we got the group he's saying to the one group uh, called his household, and he's like saying to them, "Look, you are my family and part of my household, and I will not tolerate for you to have these strange gods. So I command you, put those strange gods away." And then he's saying to the other part of his caravan group, called the all that were with them, you, and he says to them, look, you're with me, I will not tolerate for you to have these strange gods under my roof. I command you to put away these strange gods. Now, for a man who had just been stood down by by his, his second and third born sons, this is a pretty bold move for Jacob. But Jacob was definite that if his sons or those that were with him did not want to be cut off from him, that they would have to put away the strange gods. And finally we see Jacob taking control of his family. We say, well, better late than never. Then we read that Jacob here says, put away the strange gods that are with you. We say, strange gods in Jacob's family? What in the world? What's going on here? There's strange gods in Jacob's family? How could the family of God's people have strange gods in it? How could the leader of God's family have allowed strange gods in his home? So he so asked the first question, what are these strange gods? What are these things? Well, literally, the Hebrew doesn't read strange gods. Literally, the Hebrew reads, it reads gods of the foreigners, gods of the foreigner, gods of the stranger. And I'm not saying the strange gods is a bad translation of Elohei of, HaNakor, but to me, it brings it out much clearer to translate it as gods of the stranger. So Jacob is saying, put away the gods of the stranger. He was saying, look at the people for, from whom those gods came from. Look at the immorality in their lives. They don't care how many sexual partners they have in their lifetime. The more, the better for them. Look at how they don't care about Jehovah in honoring him. The, 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 what you've got, you've got the gods of those stranger. They're not our God. So put them away from you. Now, the next shock in verse four is when it says, and in verse four, it says, and they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods. The fact that Jacob commanded both his household and those that were with him to put away these gods of the stranger. The fact that they, then it says they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods, it indicates to us that Jacob was was looking at a lot of people when he said, I know you have those strange gods, so hand them over. And, And that leads to the next question, how did all those strange gods get in there? How did all those gods of the stranger get into Jacob's house? And the answer is little by little, little by little, it appears to have started with Rachel in Genesis thirty-one nineteen. Genesis thirty-one nineteen. Rachel had stolen the images that were her father's. Those are the gods of the stranger. And and at first, when Rachel had stolen her, fa- her father's gods, Jacob didn't know that she had stolen them. And so, you know, he actually pronounced her death in Genesis thirty-one thirty-two because he didn't know. He said, with whomsoever to Laban, he said to Laban, Jacob said to Laban, with whomsoever thou findest thy gods, let him not live, only he didn't know it was a herd. before our brethren discern thou what is thine with me and take it to thee. For Jacob knew not that Rachel had stolen them. But then Jacob did come to know that Rachel had stolen them. And when Jacob found out Jacob did not take a stand at that time. Why? Because it was the woman he loved the most on earth that had taken the gods of the strangers. So it was Jacob's love for Rachel that had misled him to tolerate the gods of the strangers in his house and the defilement of his house. This is exactly what happened to Solomon. And Solomon started off good. I mean, he's humble. He's asking God for wisdom. He's following God. But then it says in 2 Chronicles 8, 11, 2 Chronicles eight eleven Solomon brought up the daughter of Pharaoh out of the house, out of the city of David, unto the house that he had built for her. So he built the house for her. For he said, my wife shall not dwell in the house of David, the king of Israel, because the places are holy whereunto the ark of the Lord had come. So that means she's not holy. She's clinging to her strange gods. The gods of the stranger. He knew, Solomon knew that the daughter of Pharaoh was an idolater and not holy. So he wouldn't let his wife live with it in his house in there in Jerusalem. And that daughter of Pharaoh was not the only woman that, that Solomon loved. He, he loved it. First Kings 1, 11, one First Kings 11.1, 1 Kings 11.1. But King Solomon loved many strange women together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, the Zidonians, the Hittites, and those strange women and their idolatry that Solomon loved were the downfall of Solomon. And that's what Nehemiah says in Nehemiah 1326, Nehemiah 1326 when he said to the people, did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin by these things? Yet among many nations was there no king like him who was beloved of his God, and God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, even him did outlandish women cause to sin. How did the, uh, how did the outlandish women cause him to sin? Through adultery? Just like Jacob, who loved Rachel and tolerated the idolatry of Rachel, King Solomon loved many women and tolerated the idolatry of those women. So when Jacob, because he was so in love with Rachel, tolerated Rachel to keep those gods of the strangers, Jacob, because of that, that made Jacob a man with a divided heart. On one hand, he had a heart for God. On the other hand, he had a heart for Rachel. And that double-mindedness made him unstable. And maybe that kind of gives us an idea as to why he didn't take a stand. He's unstable. In James 1.8, 8, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. In James 4.8, draw nigh to God. He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double minded So when Jacob came to know that Rachel had the gods of the strangers there, and Jacob didn't make her give them up, that made everyone else in Jacob's house say, well, I guess it's okay. Okay for Rachel. Got to be okay for me. Keep the gods of the strangers. Where did they come from, these gods of the strangers? Well, first of all, those Syrians, uh, along with Jacob's wives and handmaids, they, they came from Laban's house. They were a part of Jacob's house, like the handmaids of Leah and Rachel, because as the the father of Abraham, Nahor, he had this reputation, or Terah, and then Nahor also, had this reputation of being idolaters. And that's what Joshua told Israel. I don't want you to forget this. Joshua was said to Israel in Joshua 24 too. Joshua said unto all the people, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nahor, and they served other gods. So that meant that all the people who came from Laban's house, they were familiar with the practice of bowing down to idols. It was just part of their father's house. It was part of how they, it was, it was how they were raised. And many spouses come into a marriage with the tradition of idols, and they bowed down to idols, and then if their spouse becomes a follower of Jehovah Jesus, it's time to stop that. Even though they were raised under the, uh, 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 in a different environment, and if they don't, it creates a problem in the marriage. Then there would be the captive women and the children from Shechem. They would have brought their gods with them. And then there was Jacob's sons. Jacob's sons would come, come across and they're looting the gold and the silver idols as part of the plunder. And they say, well, you know, a lot of value in this. So Jacob's house is grossly polluted with gods of the strangers. And what's interesting is that in verse 1, God didn't say anything to Jacob about these gods of the strangers. God didn't say anything to Jacob about putting away the gods of the strangers, but Jacob knew he could not go on with God. He could not worship God as long as there were the gods of the strangers in his house. Now, we saw this principle that idolatry has to be dealt with before coming to God. There's in James 4, 8, draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. cleanse your hands. So you were the subject, you wanna come close to God? Cleanse your hands, purify your hearts, you're double-minded. So in order to draw near to God, hands have to be cleansed. Hearts have to be purified to remove this double-mindedness. You know, if you look at the progression in verse 2 and verse 3. Verse 2, put away. Verse 3, let us arise. And Psalm 24, 3 puts it this way Who? Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity nor sworn deceitfully. So, in order to arise, and go up to God, there's gotta be a new dedication, there's gotta be a new separation from the world. The same's true of us. We want to know a new dedication to God, then we gotta start with a new separation from the world. A new separation from the thoughts of the world. Gotta be a new look. What do I allow of the world to entertain me? What thoughts of the strangers to God am I allowing myself to be polluted with? New look at the TV programs that we allow ourselves to be entertained with, that are promoting the thoughts of the strangers of God. new look at the movies that we allow ourselves to be entertained with, that are promoting the thoughts of the strangers of God. New dedication, verse three, let us arise, make new altars of worship. Verse two, put away the gods of the strangers. That's growth. That's what growth is. Our spiritual life is an issue of growth. Even towards the end of his life, Paul made this statement about his own personal growth in Philippians 3:13, Philippians 3:13. 3, 3, 3, 3, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. So the apostle Paul, he didn't see himself as arrived, can we? He didn't see himself, superior. you know, the Apostle Paul here, he speaks of his life and forgetting the things that are behind and reaching, stretching new levels. Can we look and say, well, I've accomplished, you know, I'm pretty old now, I'm just gonna kick back, I've been a bit of Christian for a long time. Always gets me, you know, when we, whenever I go into a doctor's office and some doctor's offices and, you know, he sits in the big swivel chair and, and behind him is this huge wall of plaques, you know, the degree from here, the degree from there, you know. And I'm looking at him, looking at like, wow, and I said, and, and you know, can we ever swivel our chair around and look at our spiritual awards on our wall of accomplishments and say, "Wow, oh, I've arrived. You know, the word from Philippians 3.13, that's why it's so important when he says, reaching forth unto those things which are before. So not, no matter how long we've been a believer or how old we are, the challenge for us is reaching forth unto those things which are before. Hebrews 6.1 says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection. Let us go on unto perfection. The question is, are we growing? Are we a growing Christian? If Paul never felt that, he should stop. Can we? When God said to Jacob, arise, go up to Bethel, make an altar, God is saying to Jacob, take your lesson book with you, Jacob, dust it off, and start learning again. It's important for us to have a lesson book writing down the things that we need to work on spiritually, what God has spoken to us in church or daily devotions. And so when, when Jacob said in verse two, put away the strange gods, the gods of strangers that are among you, we need to hear God say to us, put away the gods of the strangers that are among you. For us, idols, not just physical idols, not just images, but idols such as covetousness. In Colossians 3, 5, Colossians 3, 5, Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. The idolatry of worldly reputation. Seeking honor from men instead of seeking honor from God. The Lord Jesus Christ warned of this in John 5, 44. John 5, 44. How can you believe which receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? Luke 4, for whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Then the idol of pleasing self, the idol of self-pleasure, Luke twelve nineteen. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Could be anything, could be anything. You know, like uh, the hymn, Oh, for a closer walk with thee. It says, the dearest idol I have known Whatever that idol be, help me to tear it from thy throne and worship only thee. There can be no worshiping without a cleansing. We love to quote the verse, you know, the famous verse in Isaiah 118, you know, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, be as white as snow, and so forth. But the two verses before it are really important because they say, wash you, make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. Then come now and let us reason together. Jacob commanded them, be clean and change your garments. Literally cleanse cleanse yourselves. You know, sin leaves us in that state of uncleanness, which is why confession is so important. 1 John 1.9, 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The priests had to do it when they came into the tabernacle in Exodus 29 4. Exodus 29 4. Aaron and his sons bring unto the door of the tabernacle congregation, wash them with water. You just see them doing that. You know, it's not just clean themselves. Oh God, now I wash myself with tears of repentance and water of washing. I want to be clean, clean from my past. You know we're a kingdom of priests and so God says to us in Isaiah 52:11 be ye clean ye that bear the vessels of the Lord. We cleanse ourselves by confessing our sins and by reading the word of God and letting it cleanse us. John 15:3. Now you're clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. John 17:17. 17, 17, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Ephesians five twenty six. he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. And other verses. So we cleanse ourselves by confessing our sins and by the word of God, just as the priests did, so we can be a holy nation and not, we were just in Isaiah 1 and not the ah-sinful nation, Isaiah 1, 4, ah-sinful nation, people laid with iniquity. Well, so here we have, we're gonna stop here and we're, we'll pick up next week with, Jacob's remarks to them to, but just before we do, just want to finish up this verse where he said, change your garments, change your garments. He's looking, at, Jacob, you got to picture this. Jacob's looking at those garments. What do you think he saw in those garments? Maybe blood, blood splattered on it from the Shechemites. He's saying, I don't want to see that anymore. Change those clothes. He's calling him to change those clothes. You know, it, Moses also did this for the priests in Exodus 19.10, Exodus 19.10 rather he's for the people, for the people of Israel. He said to them, sanctify them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes. You know, it's symbolic. It's symbolic of my past and what I've done in the past, and especially in this case with the blood of the Shechemites on it. I want to be clean from that. And we read something like that. It can't help us to think about the garments that God has given to us in Isaiah 61.10. Isaiah 61.10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom, decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with jewels. You know, it's wonderful when you see this picture in Zechariah 3, 4, and it says, and he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, behold, I have caused thy iniquity to pass from thee and I will clothe thee with the change of raiment. So look at these things, they change the clothes, but really, what good are new clothes, or clean clothes without a clean heart? What good are new clothes without a new heart? So God says, I wanna change your heart. I wanna change your spirit so that you'll love me. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Help us, Lord, to receive it as from you. Apply it to our hearts and obey it in Jesus' name, amen.
0: Sunday Night Church is back. Starting September 25th, join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live, located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, one 800 or visit friendshipwithgod.org that's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship